Shut up and sit down. I'm Dr. Corbin Weaver, an OB-GYN resident. I'm Dr. Katie Wyatt, and I'm one too. And I'm Dave Etler, their podfather. And, and we, we are, are the Vagabonds. Three friends venturing through the world of feminism and healthcare for women, babies, and people of all kinds. We don't give medical advice, and we don't speak for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having in bars anyway. Hello. Today we're going to be talking about seven things your OBGYN won't tell you, but really wants to. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Uh, welcome, the- welcome back from a un- from a totally planned holiday vacation, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally planned. Utterly planned. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. I, you know, we needed a break. We needed a hiatus. Yeah, Indeed. we did. Residency's hard. <laughs> it is hard. That's what I hear. Guess what, guys? I'm three babies away from delivering my hundredth baby. Whoa! Whoa! Do you, yes. What's your score, Katie? Do you know? Not that. No. I've delivered no, ninety-seven I don't know. babies. Wow! It's definitely not that. Why don't you have as many babies? Okay, Dave. Huh? You need to calm down. <laughs> I want. <laughs> you guys gotta have a competition. No, I already have a lot of stress. <laughs> It's not a competition, Dave. It's just a fun fact. Okay. <laughs> I'll get more once I, by the time I'm done, I'll have plenty. If it will help to motivate you uh, to deliver more babies, I will join the competition. Dave. And try- You're going to ta- join the competition? Yeah. I will. D- it is not a problem of desire. <laughs> okay. You would like more babies to deliver, but they're just not obliging you. All right. Fair enough. Still, I might get involved in delivering babies uh, if there's a way. I got to look into it. Go for it. Or New Year. I I heard Miguel. Yep. Yep. He's very sad. The New Year's baby in Austin was born at our hospital. Hey. Fun fact. Very nice. Miguel really wants in on the show. Yes, he does. (laughs) He's being very annoying. He's like, Mom, don't you love me anymore? (laughs) What are you doing in there? He's like, you were gone for seven days. Come back. (laughs) Uh, he's been so lovey except for i got home and then he wouldn't let me and then i started eating and then he was all over me and i was like dude you're gonna get your tail in my soup (laughs) 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 Uh, oh he sounds very he's he's very boisterous yeah yeah they both are Brian does this new thing where he'll, if you're doing something, he'll sit on top of a high object and just talk to you. So like when we're making meals, he sits on top of his Dr. Pepper box and just like meows at you. And if you talk to him, he just meows back. And if you're like getting in the shower, once you open the shower curtain, he'll stand on top of the toilet and meow at you. (laughs) That's charming. Yes. We're best friends. Anyway. Well, uh, so what are these? Uh, what are these seven things that my OB wants to tell me? Okay, so today I was, or no, yesterday, whatever, doesn't matter. The other day, I was just 
there's like this thing i have a google phone so there's this like tab on it where it just like shows you news articles that you like might be interested based on things you've searched before yeah. or like you can put in stuff you're interested in and one of the things i have in there is gynecology not because i put it in just because google knows how weird my google searches are google knows you anyway <laughs> So it came up with this women's health magazine article, which I'm always interested in these because, first of all, I think, well, women's health is a weird magazine because I feel like it's not really, I don't know. It's gotten a lot of criticism about, like, body shaming and stuff like that. Because, mm. like, a lot of, like, men's health and women's health, like, they're all about, like, how to be, like, thin. Oh, yeah. And, okay. Like, so these are the, these like are the that. sort of, these are the sort of popular press, um, yeah, self-help kind of magazines centered around fitness basically right yeah okay but it's like not actually about being well i mean some of it is about actually being healthy but most of it is like about being skinny and like weight loss and blah 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 yeah which is not the same thing fitness what is funny idea back in the day back when i was back when i was on tinder uh (laughs) it would be a very popular theme amongst profiles for them to be like passionate about fitness and i would be always like how can you be passionate about fitness? Like you're passionate about the idea of fitness or like, I don't get it. It's the stupidest thing. It sounds like like basically a, what you're trying to say is like, I work out, but yeah. Yeah. It sounds like yeah, a I'm really kind of a it. boring. Th- I'm the opposite of that. Yeah. I am passionate. Dispa- no, Dispa- dispassionate, dispassionate about- is not the same. It's not the opposite of passionate though. Mildly interested I in loathe fitness yes i'm mildly interested in fitness so long as it pertains to other people yeah sure i mean that's all i'm mostly interested in fitness as it has to do with my mental health <laughs> yeah yeah that's where, i do it only for my mental health where we, it's where we <laughs> draw the line anyway anyway so i always think these are interesting to read because i'm like well i now i'm a gynecologist so i wonder if this is true for me or if they're just like making stuff up i always i also always like wonder about the people that they get for these articles because mm. number one, I want to do that. Number two, <laughs> are they like real or are they like Dr. Oz types, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Sometimes they're real. Yeah. Yeah. I think these ones are real, it seems like. Um, okay. So basically, um, it is seven things that we would say to a patient and then it like explains them a little bit. So we'll kind of go through them one by one and Corbs and I can talk about them. Or Dave can tell us what he knows too. Um, but they're not really questions. So anyway, okay. They ask five OBGYNs to tell us what they, what we really want them to know. Okay. Number one, we really don't give a shit about your grooming. So Hmm. this is like the classic. I have had probably like 200 patients at this point apologize to me for like not shaving or doing something with their either (laughs) leg hair or genital hair. Uh, I, yeah, I think that sounds totally reasonable. Yeah. Who gives a shit? I'm like, I literally don't care. I've seen, I've seen literally everything. You've seen one hairy leg or untrimmed pubic hair. You've seen them all. It's true. It's none of my business what you do with your pubic hair. That's right. Yeah, and as long as actually, as long as it's not, you're not like using something that's irritating. That's, that's the only time I talk to patients about it. Yeah, I had a patient the other day using Summer Eve, Summer's oh. Eve, and I was like, hey, stop, stop it. Yeah. Or if they use like shaving cream with like scents and it's irritating or shave, a lot of razors are irritating too. Mm. Yeah. You just got to know what's good for you. Um, um, the one, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, the OB that they got for this one 
Um, her name is Dr. Birch. She's a board certified OB GYN and a sexual health advisor for Astroglide. Oh, mm, that's cool. Hmm. Interesting. All right. When, um, we- this is really funny, actually, about Astroglide. So when Corbin and I went to the ACOG National Conference a couple of years ago, there's like the vendor fair or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, where you can like come learn about like new products. Um, and there was a lube bar. A li- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. All the lubes. So you could you could like walk up to the bar and like and like test out the lubes and and I mean you know I I assume in a non intimate way but uh, yeah yeah that's fun. (coughs) It was great. So number two is don't worry about how your vagina smells. Yeah, there we go. So which is like kind of true, but also I kind of disagree a little bit because so what they say is. It says patients worry about how their vagina smells, but I actually worry about how their feet are going to smell. When a patient's getting a pap smear, her feet are the closest to my nose, <laughs> which is true. Fair enough. That actually is a problem sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but also, um, but if your vagina, if you like, this is, we kind of talked about this in the vaginal microbiome mm-hmm. episode, mm-hmm. but yeah. if your vagina has like changed in smell, that is like something that could be important if you're having other symptoms. Yeah. And I mean, there definitely are like abnormal smells. Yeah, I think the expectation though shouldn't be like your vagina is going to smell like daisies or whatever, you know, or roses nothing. or whatever, like, or nothing. Yeah. yeah, or nothing. Like it's going to have an odor, but there are certain odors that are like indicative of like BV or right something more like maybe like a even like PID or something like that. Though right. there'll be other signs of that, but so so, so yeah. Is I there would has agree there with Katie? Yes and no. So has there been an occasion where somebody's been like, you know, I'm I I'm embarrassed about how it smells, and you're like, well, um, it it turns out that uh, maybe we should talk about that, or do you say, well, has it changed recently? And if they say yes, then you're then you go into that. Usually, yeah. I would investigate it further. Yeah, like, is it new smell? Is it like, can you describe the smell? Like that kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I do too. And do you have any other symptoms too? Because like if you have a new smell that's fishy and plus itching, plus maybe some pain, then I'm like really concerned about like BV or yeast or right. trichomonas, something like that. All right. Um, and then it's also really funny because we talk about, I feel like I talk about this the most to my pregnant patients because they all worry that they broke their water. Mm-hmm. But you also have like tons of increased discharge during pregnancy. Oh. Because yeah. of like the increased blood flow to your pelvis. And so it's like really, they come in and they're like, it's, I feel like I broke my water when it's just like normal discharge of pregnancy. So you have to like figure that yeah. out. Because usually amniotic fluid doesn't really smell. It does smell when there's a lot of it, but not if it's like leaking a little bit. Got it. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. But also, yeah, if you, I mean, I don't feel like I really notice people's feet that much unless they're really bad, but I feel like most people, it's like pretty fine. Yeah. Like really never had an issue. Okay. Number three. This one is, I think, the only actually OB one. Um, it says, yes, you're probably going to poop on the table when you give birth. Yeah. Yeah. More it's true. More people need to know about that, I think, ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. One time we had a patient who was like, did I poop? And the chief that I was with was like, do you want the real answer or do you want me to like, what do you want, do you want me to make you feel better? Or do you want me to, do you want the real answer? And they're like, tell me the truth. And we're like, yes, you did. And she's like, okay. <laughs> like she was cool with it. So I was like, okay, good job. Uh, nobody wants to poop you in public. Nobody wants, literally nobody wants to poop in front of other people. 
That's the thing. I mean, yeah. we, we, we uh, you want to know one time I was doing a bed delivery and I had to like deliver the baby through the mom's poop. It was a little awkward. Yeah. One time we were doing an all fours delivery, hands and knees, and <laughs> one of our chiefs who doesn't like crunchy stuff like that, <laughs> she the patient pooped on his hand. <laughs> and we're all and it, we're during checkout later that day we were talking about her and we're like, and she pooped on his hand and she's our favorite person now. <laughs> we will remember her always. We're like, we love you because <laughs> he deserved it. <laughs> It was uh, I've only done one of those deliveries too. Ah, uh, they're fun. I like them. I don't know. They're like we. I'm so. I mean, it though. went fine. It went fine. I just. Uh, I like to. It hurts my back whenever the bed is like down. Yeah. Yeah. It's e- I just sit on the bed. Mm. I don't like to I be in know. the splash zone like that. Well, you know, that's true. Especially <laughs> if there's poop involved. That's very true. Uh, yeah, um, the, the prohibition against about? pooping in front of other people is, is the, the, the cultural prohibition against pooping in front of yeah. people, in front of people is very, very powerful, I think. Yeah. You know, like um, you're going to be embarrassed well, by the whole pooping thing. Yeah. At least well, it's really funny because like when we're telling people how to like if someone's like not pushing like uh, like the baby's not coming down, we like tell you to push like you're right. pooping. And so you're going to. If there's yeah. anything in there, you're going. That's okay. That means you're using the right muscles. Yeah. yeah. They used to do like enemas and like all liquid diets before oh deliveries, which is dumb. Don't do that. But you need energy. I mean, I, I, as one of our attendings says, like, so sometimes they don't let women eat during labor. And one of our attendings is like, would you starve before a marathon? Yeah. No, <laughs> let them eat. Yeah. That's what she always says. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's no medical reason you couldn't do an enema before you give birth but no but it's not who gives a rats well no you just had to i mean you have to be careful with enemas and stuff because of like if you poop too much it's not good for you all right but i mean you could if you're really that worried about it i guess i don't advise it yeah although sometimes you do because pregnancy makes you constipated so i mean if that's true then go for it i guess fair enough anyway okay number four this one is uh, another, like, this is one of the other top ones that I get. This don't skip your appointment because you have your period. Oh, for gosh sake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We can still do a pap smear. And sometimes, a lot of times, we don't even need to do an actual pap smear. Because I think we talked about the timing of pap smears before, didn't we? Yeah. So, a lot of times, we don't even need to do a pap smear. We just need to, like, take a look and make sure that everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it happens a lot where people are like, that, you know, if they're like supposed to have an ultrasound or they're like, mm-hmm. be like, oh, I'm on my period. It's like, no, it's fine. We can just do it. It's NBD. Yeah. I like whenever people are like, oh, I'm on my period. I'm like, you know, I'm a gynecologist, right? <laughs> like, that's literally my job. The job. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, don't worry. I literally talk to people about their periods all day, every day. Yeah. It's fine. Man, these... We see a lot more blood coming out of vaginas when we deliver babies. Yeah, yeah. So it's okay. I know. That's yeah. That's what it says in here. It says births, particularly C sections, are quite bloody. So I can assure you that having your period while I'm examining you is not a problem in the slightest. This lady is a clinical professor of obstetrics at Yale. Hmm. So see, she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. But yeah, and it says I thought this was interesting because I don't know what our office does. 
I've never had it be a problem, though, like when I've had a pap smear come back. But it says, just be sure to call your doctor's office ahead of time if you're due for a pap smear. Some offices use an updated test that can separate menstrual blood from cervical cells, but others don't. So you'll need to know your office's capabilities. Which I guess if they, like, have a lab that has that, then that's good to know. Yeah. I guess so, but probably doesn't matter either way, right? I mean, they either have it or they don't. Well, I mean, a pap smear, the sensitivity and specificity is dependent on the amount of sample you get oh. of mm-hmm. cervical cells. Okay. So like if you didn't get any cervical cells, then it wouldn't be very good. I stand correct. But you can also just like wipe the cervix off, like wipe the blood off before you collect it. I mean, you're not really supposed to do that, but it could be a little bit helpful. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I usually just collect it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I think most labs probably don't, you know, like can. Yeah. Especially these now. days. Yeah. Because it's all liquid-based. That's the thing. It's not a slide anymore. It's like liquid-based. So I think that makes it easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. This one goes along with number two. It's number five. We really do want to know about your itching. It's true. It's true. We do. Is itching, Cause a lot is of time, itching very what? common? Yeah. Itching? Very, very common. Sorry, say it again. It's very yeah. common. And so common to the point where it's not abnormal? Uh. Like a little bit of itching is normal, just like you have an itch anywhere on your yeah. skin. But, but usually like it's persistent itch could be like yeah. yeast is kind of what is like. That's what like most people think it is. But usually it's it actually like be, an irritant. Yeah, it could be an irritant. It could be like, I mean, if someone's perimenopausal, it could be like mm-hmm. atrophy or like in something called lichen sclerosis. Mm-hmm. So or lichen simplex chronicus. Yeah. Or lichen planus. It's all the lichens. Or all the lichens. Yeah, which are boring to me, but you know. I think they're interesting. All all the lichens? Lichens. They're like, I don't know. They're basically the term dermatology of gynecology. We have like, we had a lecture series about them earlier this year. It was really good, actually. It made me feel a lot better about them. I think of lichens as those things that grow on rocks, but this is. That's what it's named after. Does it look like lichens? Which is really gross. It refers to how it looks under a microscope. I see. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of people, like if they have itching, will go get like monostat over the counter mm-hmm. or like something to treat yeast. Um, yeah. And usually like that's like if you maybe if you've like had yeast infections before, it's like maybe fine. But if it if that doesn't work, I would not go get another dose. I would go. No. See your yeah. I that's, agree. That would be my. Yeah. So it's and also, um, I mean, it could be if it is an irritant, like some of those over counter, like yeah, yeast topicals will be any irritant. Mm-hmm. So just make it work. And never use like a numbing cream on your vulva. Is is that because so is that because it's it can sensitize you the numbing cream? Yeah. It's because the stuff that they put in it can make it really. It's like a really bad irritant. There's like a preservative in benzocaine cream yeah. that's really really irritating. Yeah, I mean this isn't just an issue with that. It's uh, the the yeah. the uh, there are sunburn treatments that I, one I used this summer yeah. and it caused a really bad what I thought was an allergic reaction, but which probably was just sensitization of the skin. And I kept using it. And it just got worse. I guess that's an allergic reaction. But anyway, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. It was miserable. Yeah. That sounds miserable. Yep. It does sound miserable. So I can sort of sympathize, um, I guess, with that. There are like the other... um, pharmacological, like numbing. I think they use gels mm-hmm. um, that can be for like vulvodynia and like those types of things. Yeah. But those are a different thing. That's not like yeah. over the counter what you get. Really at, like, only from your doctor. Yeah, only from your doctor. 
or provider, I guess, because yeah. there's like nurse practitioners and PAs that do this. Too. I think that I think um, the th- and then, I think the thing that I learned about this with the sunburn cream, and maybe it's true for the sorts of um, uh, 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 things you can buy over the counter um, for itching, is that it doesn't say on the label that I recall. It doesn't say on the label that this is a danger, that this is a possibility, and even if it does, it doesn't really like sensitization doesn't really um, explain in lay terms what that means. I think it yeah. probably does say that it's a risk. Yeah. That but there's a risk with like all the other sensitivity ones. reaction or whatever. Yeah. I would based on But it's probably all lumped in with all of the other mil- yeah, yeah, million of warnings. I would I, based on my experience, I would say if it says that, stay far away. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Go see a doctor. I would first. say just stick to your like classic aloe and then yeah. it was not a good. It's not cool. With nothing else in it. Better yet, just get an aloe vera plant. Will that work on your hoo-ha? Just snap one off. What? It'll work on your hoo-ha, aloe vera? No, 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 for a sunburn. Okay. Thank you. I just want to make sure. Don't put aloe vera in your hoo-ha. Okay. No. That sounds like something from Goop. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> put it on your jade egg and stick it up your hoo-ha. <laughs> That's our next mug. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I'm going to get you guys all aloe vera pants. <laughs> oh, man. The other thing I was going to say about your vulva is you got to let it air out. People sleep with like really tight underwear and stuff on. Let it air out, people. Mm. Be free. Yeah. Just kidding. Cotton underwear works Sp- too. Spends all day. Seriously. Spends all day cooped up in clothes. You got to. Yeah. Gotta let it, gotta let yeah. it breathe. Tight fitting, like pants and underwear and everything. You just gotta let it breathe sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Indeed. Next, this one I kind of disagree with them a little bit. Um, number six, we have a preference on birth control, which is true. But I, so okay, they say the best kind of birth control is different for every woman, and OB/GYNs will do their best to guide you to the method that's right for you. But the truth is that there's one they think rises above the rest: IUDs. Okay. And then it says why, which we all we un- we understand. So anyway, so I will say that like an IUD is like probably what we would say is the most well, an IUD or an explanon mm-hmm. is what we would say are like the most effective, if you mean best by that. But what I've always been taught is the best birth control is the one that people will yeah. use. Yeah, very true. So like if you don't want an IUD, like if you have some sort, well, first of all, I think a lot of people have like an automatic aversion to an IUD because they're like, I don't want anything inside me. But then once you talk to them about it, like what it actually is and how small it is and like how they like won't feel it, their partner won't feel it. Especially if you can put it in post placentally, I feel like people are like pretty, like very open to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. But if you really don't want anything inside you, that's fine. Fair enough. It's all about what you want. Yeah. Although I do like it, it says... It's talking about the levonorgestrel IUD, a.k.a. the Mirena or the Lyletta or the Kylina. Um, and it says it decreases bleeding and cramping, which is true overall. It can, you can have some increased cramping at the beginning and can even help prevent uterine cancer, which I'm glad they said because it's true. And I feel like true. people are like, birth control causes cancer, but it doesn't. It helps protect. If it has progesterone in it, it helps protect you against uterine cancer, mm-hmm. which is important. Because people think that's not true. That, I feel like a lot of people who are like anti-choice like or like anti-women's health 
funding say that? Well, it's a it's a it like causes it's a fear tactic. Fear sowing fear, yep. uncertainty, and doubt is a time honored way yep. to uh, to get people to freak out about shit that they don't know much about. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, but I mean, personally, IUD is my favorite. But that's because that's what I have. <laughs> yep. Yeah. IUDs are pretty great. Yeah. Just you know, put them in. Forget about them. I think also something I run into a lot, like I feel like my patient population um, uh, that I like work with a lot, they like are very like set on like once you're done having babies, you get a BTL, like a tubal ligation, get your Mm -hmm. tubes tied. But like I have to tell them like that's actually like not the most effective form of birth control that we like people assume that it's like for sure 100 percent, but it's actually not and so if you do have like bleeding issues like it behooves you to consider a hormonal option a long-acting reversible contraception contraceptive option with hormones as opposed to getting your tubes tied or whatever some people believe that btl like getting a tubal ligation leads to having like irregular periods or heavy periods but it's just actually that women who have been on you know hormonal birth control methods get a tubal ligation and they come off them or they've been breastfeeding and they had their postpartum tubal and then they stop and so they have all these bleeding <coughs> issues because your previous birth control methods were just masking an issue that you already had right. if i ever have another uh, if i have another have ever found myself in the position of having another child which is extremely unlikely at this point uh, and it was a girl I would probably name her Kylina. Kylina. <laughs> or Lyletta or Skyla. Those all those sound yeah. like very nice names. You know. They are really nice names. There was oh, what was the other thing I was gonna say? Oh yeah. I've had two patients that were tubal failures, two OB patients <clears throat> that were pregnant after a tubal so far in residency. Which is crazy. It's crazy. Um Okay. And then if you change seven. your mind oh, go ahead. if you change your mind, you know, yeah. Pull it out. Yeah. Okay, last one. No sex detail is considered TMI, meaning that we care about what kind of sex you have, anal, vaginal, oral, etc. Mm-hmm. And your gender preference and your sexual number of sexual partners. It says, don't lie about how many sexual partners you've had or currently have. We're not here to judge. We only want to help you by screening for appropriate STDs and counseling you about safe sex. I agree. Also, something that I really like, one of my attendings is like, in my annuals, she's like, did you ask them if they can orgasm? And I was like, no. And she's like, if you don't ask them, who's going to? And I was like, you're right. So now I ask everybody that. Mm. Good point. She's like, you're the only person whose job it is to care about their, like, if they can orgasm from sex. I was like, you're right. It's true. What What are you prepared to do for somebody who says they don't? You got to figure out why. Because sometimes it's like a symptom of depression. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a side effect of medication. <clears throat> Sometimes it is because they're like being abused. Like, yeah, it's like a screening for all kinds of stuff. Mm. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, sometimes it's because they're having too much pain with sex. Yeah, that's a question I feel like hardly ever gets asked either. Is like if you're having pain with sex. Yeah, it's actually from what I've read, not that not uncommon. Yeah, there's like this big thing a little while ago about how like for a woman, good sex is considered. When it's not painful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Which is like a terrible um, benchmark. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's hard sometimes for providers because there's like, it was not, I think because of the patriarchy, it wasn't like researched or cared about. And Mm -hmm. so it can feel like an unknown when you venture into, but there's definitely things you can do for dyspareunia. Like, I mean, 
like a dyspareunia mm-hmm. workup should always start with like infectious workup so like you can have right. pain if you have a yeast infection or that kind of thing so mm-hmm. or you could have like another like pelvic pain disorder like vulvodynia or vaginismus yeah i concur or pelvic floor dysfunction pelvic your muscles floor dysfunction, are yeah. painful i had a really interesting pelvic floor dysfunction patient the other day who she had like hip flexor pain that was like so chronic that it had like you know how like when one muscle is tight then like the next muscle eventually yeah. gets tight and so on and so forth she had it so bad that like her pelvic muscles were tight from it it yeah. was crazy i was like girl she's like i'm going to physical therapy for my back and it's getting better and i was like you should keep doing that because that's the best thing for you yeah i mean i was like that sucks when you go like when you work with a pelvic floor physical therapist um they like evaluate every like the gait and everything because it really yeah. does like have an effect. One time we had a patient who um had like pubic symphysis like separation from one of her wow. pregnancies Ugh. and was causing like really bad pelvic pain. Like uh she had a uh, vaginismus. Mm. Yeah, so what is it? and it was all from that like basically yeah. your pelvic floor is compensating for right. your pubic symphysis not being uh, intact. So if, if I remember correctly, is that the um, sort of the separation between the two sides of the pelvis? Uh, in, yeah, at the so front? the pubic symph- yeah, in the front. So it was like open, basically. <clears throat> yeah, and so I, okay, so I imagine you get your, your other muscles are trying to compensate. For, right, and hold, and your, hold your... Hold your pelvis closed. Yeah. Wow, that sounds... Yeah. That's like way that overworking. sucky. Yep. Yeah. Well, well um, all right. All right, well, what do you guys think about those... <laughs> I thought that was good. I think it's funny that a lot of these things, not fun. I I mean, I I guess it's not surprising, but a lot of these things are all about like what, what what I said before, like cultural prohibitions or taboos or things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and sort of fighting against those, um, those things that we're not supposed to talk about, but which it's, you know, if you sat down and think about it, if a patient sat down and thought about it for a bit, they'd be like, well, that's, that's, that's my OBGYN's job to talk about, this part of my anatomy that I'd never get to talk about usually in, in, in polite company, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, We're it's all almost, it. yeah. I mean, it's almost like, you know, it, at, uh, <clears throat> you know, your first appointment with your OB, OB, OB Jin, you know, that should be part of the orientation or something, you know, or every, every, every yeah. young girl's first appointment should be like, okay, from now on, Whenever you come to this office, we're going to talk about your vagina. We're going to talk about your bits. We're going to talk about the things that you don't get to talk about um, in yeah. your in your daily life. I know. I wish that like I could have like a like I wish that all my new patient appointments could be like that, but unfortunately, that is not the way it is usually. Yeah. Ideal and reality can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what what Especially. what prevents you from? from time yeah well time and usually it's like not usually they're not coming to just like establish care usually yeah. they're just coming because they have a problem like it'd be nice right. if everyone like came and established care with their OBGYN for the first right. time and like you know yeah. you had time like but usually it's like they're coming for a problem so it's like already <clears throat> an issue you know it's not yeah. like you get to prevent right. that much yeah it's not like seeing a family yeah, and doctor. If you're already working time. up this big problem, then you have very little time to like delve into. Oh, it like your sex life. How is that? Yeah, yeah. Because like we always talk about like how our 
um, annual exams are like hardly ever actually annual exams because like an annual exam is supposed to be a preventative care visit where you're like you screen them for like like if they need STD testing and if they need like their lipids tested and their A1C for like diabetes screening and like their weight and all that and like do they wear a seatbelt do they like drink smoke use drugs do they like text and drive um but like it's all like that takes a lot of time to do all those things plus an exam mm-hmm. and then if they're coming in and they actually have a problem that you need to address then it's like you can't even do an annual exam because you have to like deal with their problem because that's why they want to be yeah. seen yeah. so it just begins to be a really hard yep yeah so this is my advice to everyone who's listening if you have not seen your OBGYN within the past year or your primary care doctor I guess because Anybody can see their doctor for an annual. Go just make an appointment, even if you don't have an issue, and just say, hey. And if you don't have a primary care doctor, you should make an appointment to establish care so that they know you so that if you ever have an issue, you can get in and you won't be a new patient appointment. Because trust me, it's way easier to get an established patient appointment than a new patient appointment. Which I'm like preaching to my own choir here because I really need to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have so. I don't see myself doing that in the near future. You have so much time. I know. I mean. I know. Actually, when we're on nights, it's like really convenient to go to appointments because we just get the first appointment of the day. So we like do check out and then go to our appointment and then yeah. go sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice. It's like if places were open past like 6 p.m. <laughs> yeah. It would make our lives easier. Though I just feel like the night shift is so long that like you barely have time to sleep as it is. So it's true. the last thing I want to do is spend an hour at a doctor's office. I, w- I went to the dentist last time I was on nights, and I was like, can I just sleep? And they're like, yep. <laughs> I was like, okay. Just took nice. a little nap. I had a exposure, and I had to go <laughs> oh, to the no. ER for my exposure. Oh. I got a face full of amniotic oh, fluid. Ugh, it was in my eyes and my oh, mouth. Boy. It was disgusting. Oh, gross. Tastes salty. Tastes salty, fun fact. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not surprised. And <laughs> it burns your face after it sits on there for a while. It burns your face? Yeah, it's like salt water. Yeah, it burns your face like salt water. Um, salt water doesn't burn my face? If you leave but, it on there without washing it off. Wow. Um, anyway, uh, but I slept in the ER while I was down there. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. We're, I thought about pulling up one of the computers and like doing work, but I was like, is that too extra? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, my yeah. gosh. I, when I <laughs> flew, when I flew home, I, so I was coming off of a 24. So I got off work at seven and then obviously checkout lasts a while. So I like got home at nine and I was like, I needed to write my clinic notes from the day before. And Adam was like, you should sleep and I'll drive you to the airport, which he did because he's the best yeah. ever. And on the whole way to the airport, I turned the Wi-Fi on on my phone. Like, I used it as a hotspot and wrote all my <laughs> clinic notes. I was like, oh, my God. I hate my life. <laughs> but I got an hour and a half of sleep, so it was good. Oh, you do what you got to do. to get. Yeah, I got an hour and a half of sleep in 40 hours. That, that was great. sweet, sweet hour and a half. Yep. I want to share a uh, really fascinating article in The Atlantic this week in, in which mm-hmm. the author reckoned with the so-called sex recession. Have you, have you heard about the sex recession? Yeah, young people. Young people are having less They sex. just aren't having as much sex as they used to. Um, oh, well, Dan. <clears throat> well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Another thing that millennials are yeah. ruining. 
Well, it's interesting. The CDC's Youth Risk Behavior Survey found that between 1991 and 2017, the percentage of high school students who'd had sex went from 54 to 40%. So unless, I mean, if you think about that, what that means is in we went from 1991, during which most students had had sex, to 2017, where most students hadn't had sex. Um, other studies show that the U.S. teen pregnancy rate, meanwhile, has declined uh, to a third of its high, which, by the way, interesting, uh, according to the articles in 1957. Um, mm, that's when the high yeah. was? I mean, probably mm. people were actually getting married in their teens. I, I suppose, but uh, but also, um, I, I don't know, I was just very surprised um, by that. And I, I'm assuming that... But I also feel like it's one of those things where it gets like conflated because of the like reporting on it when really it used to happen just as much. It just wasn't as like it was more secretive. Yeah. Yeah. True. Millennials in their twenties are two and a half times more likely to be abstinent than people in my generation. That's the Gen Xers. Um, I mean, we knew people were having sex out of wedlock back in the day. Haven't you ever seen Titanic? (laughs) That's true. Yes. Yes. And they were having their, their, their nude pictures painted as well. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, Has uh, young adults um, sitting for nude portraits also drastically declined? Huge decline. Huge decline. (laughs) Um, There's all sorts of statistics in this article that that I found really interesting about this decline. Um, And the article seems to be worrying about it. So... In the 90s, we would have killed. Why are we have, worried about it? Is I don't know. I, I mean, in, in the 90s, we would have killed to have such a decline in um, underage yeah. sexual behavior. But now, um, and I think, you know, okay, okay so to be clear, um, a lot of what I just mentioned was about um, uh, teenage sex, young sex, young people having sex right. when, you know, we think they shouldn't ha- have sex. Um, but much more of the article, um, focuses on, you know, people in their twenties, um, mm-hmm. who we might otherwise consider, you know, yeah, have sex, go, go have sex. Um, uh, especially, especially these days when, um, you know, when it's so much more accepted than, than it was in the nineties, you know, did they make an argument for why it's bad? Um, well, yeah, in that, um, in the sense that, you know, people just seem to lack interest in it in a way that's sort of worrying um, to people. It's, mm. it's not that they, it's not necessarily that they're choosing to mm. have less sex. It's that they don't give a shit about it. You know, there, there are people who just say it's not worth the trouble. I guess you could make a, you could make an argument for like, it shows a decline in like human connection, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's the thing. Like we're all yeah. too busy with our you know, social media or whatever to yeah, and connect to people on a real basis. And yeah, and they, they thus a decline in sexual activity. Yeah. And they explore quite a few possible reasons. I mean, everything from, you know, I'm just going to list a few. The rise of helicopter parenting and overprogrammed teenagers, um, a decrease in the number of people who are coupled up. Um, people are waiting longer to get married, for instance. An increase in awareness of different kinds of sexuality means that people may not feel the same pressure to have sex that they don't want. So that's. Are we that's talking good. about number of sexual partners or number of times you've had sex? frequency, mostly frequency of of sex, incidents of sex, having sex? Because, yeah, because how much could like I feel like no matter how even someone who's particularly like, you know, has a lot of partners or whatever, it would still be hard 
for them to like have sex as often as like people who are in committed relationships. Yeah. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. And so yeah. if the decline in people being in committed relationships could also account for a Yeah, lot and of they that. talk about that too. I mean, yeah. things have completely Well, the, and the number of people who live with their parents. Right, a third of or with a third roommates. of adults under the age of 35 live with their parents. Uh, that's actually yeah. the most common living arrangement for people under 35. Um, so that's an issue. Um, pornography mm. may mean less pent-up desire for sex. Um, I don't believe that. Um, one study in the Journal of Population Economics found that on a country-by-country -country level, the arrival of broadband internet access explained 7 to 13% of the teen birth rate decline from 1999 to 2007. That's an interesting little fact. I don't, well, I don't think, okay, so the reason I don't agree with that is because I don't think that might account for, like, the decrease in number of sexual partners, but that doesn't mean that people are less interested in sex. They're just getting it elsewhere. Like, they're, it's, like, okay for them to get it get elsewhere. sex elsewhere. Yeah, like pleasure. Yeah. Which is, I yeah, think I mean, You mean, like, porn and yeah. stuff? Is that what well, you mean? I mean, yeah. that's part of it, um, part of what they discuss. Porn, uh, social media use also seems to be associated with body issues, and so maybe people are less confident seeking sex. Um, this is like, okay, so I feel like everything, the reason, okay, first of all, what uh, what is this article from? The Atlantic. The Atlantic, okay. Mm. So I Liberal like rag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every, Goddamn libs and their sex. Like everything, this just like proves how much like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't when it comes to sex because- like everything that you just listed as reasons why like people are saying there's like a decrease in sex are like the same as <clears throat> as like there's like opposites about why people shouldn't have sex or whatever. I don't know. It's just like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You can't please everyone. Just do what yeah. you want to do because this is all dumb. I also, I, I mean, with like any of the any article like this, there's just so much speculation. Yeah. Right. This was. About why this is actually a, it, it's a I mean, really long, really... really thorough, thorough article. And what struck me about it is that I couldn't figure out whether this was imp good, good or, bad, or bad, according to the author's viewpoint. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel, I feel like the like from the author's viewpoint, it was bad. I couldn't figure out if my mm. if if my thoughts about it were that this was good or bad. I mean, like I said, in the, when I was you know in the nineties, we would have we would have rejoiced um, mm -hmm. to have this happen. And now it's like, oh my God. But you should read the article. Yeah. Um, you, you should look at the article, um, you and listeners, um, because uh, I just I just found it really fascinating, um, the hand-wringing hand yeah. over this. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I guess how I feel about it is if people are having less sex because they want to have less sex, then that's fine. Yeah, and I think, I th I and I think that was among the messages you know basically they're like it's, it's too much of a pain in the ass <laughs> yeah. all this dating thing you know finding a partner dating is terrible Ugh. that is the universal truth yeah. yes all right philopian files i got nothing I don't give a shit about anything lately. I have one. I hope I don't take Katie's. I don't know. I might. Oh, can ours be the same? Because I think I know what I you're going to say. I think it's going to be the same. <gasps> Is it's it? Dumpling on Netflix. Dumpling? Precious. So good. Ours can be the same. It's so good. What is Dumpling? 
You yeah, this is what it. you should watch. It will make you happy. I cried. I cried. I've never heard of it before. It's so good. It's a new Netflix original movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is about a girl whose mom is a pageant queen, former pageant queen in Texas. And now she like runs the pageant mm-hmm. in their town. And she is a bigger girl. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And her aunt like was really close to her. And her this is like not a spoiler at all. Her aunt died. And so she feels really sad. And then it's basically about her and her best friend join the pageant to kind of like stick mm-hmm. it to her mom. Anyway, there's lots of Dolly Parton. There's drag queens. There's Texas pageants. Oh. It's amazing. Yeah. This sounds fun. It's really good. This sounds pretty it's, fun. It's amazing. All right. And it has a good message. Wow. Yeah, it does. And Jennifer Aniston's in it, which is hilarious. Oh. Yeah, she's really good in it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. I'll check it out. Maybe it'll yeah. maybe it'll snap me out of my winter doldrums. You can watch it with I Coraline. I can't stand anything. Okay. Is it? It's, it's okay for it's okay yeah. for, for the kitties. I think it's appropriate. I mean, we're not too we're not yeah. too concerned about stuff like. I that. mean, yeah. I don't think there's any like. I mean, there is a kissing scene, but nothing below the belt. Oh my God. Uh, or really, yeah. no hands or anything either. So. <laughs> uh, there's no genitals. There's no genitals. No genitals. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I think oh, it's safe for her to watch. Okay, appreciate the recommendation. Dumplin'. Yeah. Nice. Dumplin'. Yeah. Here, I'm going to see if there's a rating. Oh, yeah, PG-13, yeah. totally. Nice. So okay. good. Yeah, it's real good. I think Christine would she really like would, it, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sounds like she would. Just the whole family can watch it. All right. Yeah. Very good. AZ will love it. She might. <laughs> so good. Um. Yeah. But well, then I guess that's so for our listeners, we all hope that you had a very Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a Happy New yep. Year, whatever you for other send great a, Happy Festivus. Send us your questions, your thoughts about today's episode, or anything else you like. Go to visit. We're sorry that we haven't had an episode for a while, but yep. we're trying. We'll keep trying. Okay. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.